USC had its worst performance offensively of the year in what was their most important win of the year. And what about the rest of the Pac-12? What took place? It's Monday. We've got winners, losers, and everything in between in the Conference of Champions. Let's go. Locked on Pac-12, your daily podcast on the Pac-12 Conference. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Locked On Pac-12. I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin, D1 play-by-play broadcaster. Thank you for making this your first listen or your first view if you're watching on YouTube of the day. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your number one source to stay up to date with the Conference of Champions. Like, comment, and subscribe if you haven't already, wherever you're listening to or watching this show. I thank all of you out there who have done so already. Love the engagement on YouTube, all the viewership we've gotten over there, the listenership on podcasts continue to grow up go up as well and i appreciate each and every one of you out there who continue to support the show which today is brought to you by linkedin jobs linkedin jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college terms and conditions apply for the official college football recruiting sponsor here at the locked on network so usc has its worst offensive output of the season this was a seven to three game at the half at the half who took the under? I didn't. I thought USC's offense might be slowed down by the Oregon State rushing attack in this game, but more so than that, they were just slowed down by the Oregon State defense, who deserves a lot of credit for how they played in this game. That secondary certainly looks like one of the best in the Pac-12. Uh, I mean, Jaden Grant, Rajon Wright, those those dudes back there on the back end of that defense for new D.C. Trent Bray, they're some ballers. There's some ballers. It is no small feat to hold this USC offense, which came in averaging 50 points a game to just 17 points, even on your home field. And the story here is simultaneously Oregon State and USC because the Trojans come in with a red hot offense and it struggles. And people may look at that and go, oh, the Trojans were overhyped. The Trojans this, the Trojans that USC is not as good as we think. They couldn't even score a lot on Oregon State. I don't feel that way at all whatsoever. I think this is the most important win of the season for Lincoln Riley and USC. The reason is over the course of a 12 game season as a college football program, I don't care who you are. If you're Nick Saban at Alabama, Kirby Smart at Georgia, Dabo Sweeney at Clemson, when you have a great conference championship caliber season, there are games that are going to come very close to tripping you up, and you have to find a way to get it done. And USC could have lost this game. I thought they were going to. Oregon State had chances to win. We could go for 20 minutes about the moments that Oregon State needed to go their way in order to get this win. They had opportunities. But at the end of the day, USC executed late. They continue to force turnovers with that havoc defense that Alex Grinch has got. The secondary deserves a lot of credit, but they created pressure on Chance Nolan time and again that forced him into bad throws. He made poor decisions. USC capitalized. But these sorts of games speak, number one, to the culture that Lincoln Riley is already establishing at USC. You don't win this game if your players do not believe in what you are doing because USC was off their rhythm. They were off their game. This isn't how they had won the previous few weeks against Rice and Stanford and, I, and Fresno State, 
right? They were just blowing the doors off people. And Stanford, conference opponent, Fresno State, capable group of five program in the Mountain West. And you blow the doors off of both of them because you just outscore them. But being able to win in more than one way means something. I don't care who the opponent is. And if you've listened to the show for a while, you know I am very high on Oregon State because I think that's a pretty darn good football team. And they played an ugly game. USC played an ugly game. And Oregon State was right there with a chance to win. And if you're a Beaver fan, other than winning the game, that's all you can ask for is have a chance to win the game. Give yourself a legitimate opportunity. And they did that. And the offense was not up to their standard. But the defense is right where you'd want it to be if you're Oregon State. Hold USC to under 20 points for the first time this year. But that's a huge, huge win for USC. Would have been massive for either side, right, for different reasons. But for USC, they now look and look at themselves and go, wow, we won and we, we didn't have our best game. That's not how we usually win. That's not how we usually play on offense. It's not what their offense will look like most weeks this year. But every great team has a game that can come close to tripping them up. Alabama played in the national championship game in 2021. It was in 2022, but for the 2021 season. They almost lost to Auburn. They almost lost to a dreadful Auburn team that was six wins and lost to a group of five school in their bowl game. I don't even remember who they played. It was that negligible of an opponent. USC finding a way to win that game, that's huge and has to give the Trojans a massive amount of confidence going forward. And they should have it, not just because they're 4-0 in the top 10, going to move up again with the loss to Oklahoma, and they are inching close to that college football playoff coveted top four. They can put themselves in that discussion, but they went on the road and did this. They got it done. Was it the loudest environment? Maybe not, but it was hostile. Beaver fans are making that place as loud as they possibly could. It won't be as loud as, you know, three weeks from now when they go to Eccles Coliseum and they take on Utah and what will probably end up being the game of the year in the Pac-12, depending on how a few other things play out. But the fact that they went on the road and they found a way to get that done does a lot for that team because they look around and say, that wasn't our best game. And yet we're walking away as winners. And they definitely get the winner's label here in week one. They forced those turnovers, right? A couple of them coming into this game, you know, we talked about the turnovers a lot here on the show. A couple of them were like, ah, that's the other team being sloppy. They forced these turnovers. Makai Blackman, that dude's a player on the outside. The USC front seven got some pressure on Chance Nolan, forced him into a couple of bad throws that turned out to be interceptions. That's the defense making plays. Alex Grinch was really, really good in this game. Definitely his best game so far as the DC uh, for for the Trojans. Other winners around the conference this week. Uh, Washington goes into this department, and they now have a road test that comes up on Friday against UCLA. What a game. Sign me up for it. At least it's going to be on ESPN. Oh, right. I can't go off of the USC-Oregon State game without reminding everyone that I hyped that game up going into it. I thought it'd be a great game. I thought Oregon State would would uh, would get the upset. They came up just a little bit short. It was the game of the week. It delivered. It was amazing. It was dramatic. It was fantastic. The fans were awesome. And it was on Pac-12 Network. Are you kidding me? It is so pac 12 It burns the soul. Oh, my gosh. I can't believe that. It was still a great game. I loved watching it. But that deserved to be on ESPN. You talk about Oregon State 
getting screwed out of an opportunity to show what they can do to a national audience? You don't think that sort of stuff matters? Of course it does. You don't think recruits watching that game saying, man, Oregon State is going toe-to-toe with USC? Last time I saw them on national TV in a game like this, they were getting smoked by somebody. Right? If you hadn't watched them in a few years. But they had a chance to put that product on national television, and they didn't get to. That's an absolute bummer for the Beavs. And I will I will die on that hill. I don't think anybody's going to try and come and kill me on that hill. Because it seems plain and obvious to everybody that that was a colossal mistake from the Pac-12. I hated it going in. I hate it even more now that the game took place and it was everything we hoped it would be. Except for the part where most people thought it would be a shootout. It was a defensive struggle. But regardless, Oregon State was in it from the jump. They led at the half. They led in the fourth quarter. It just it had all the makings of a great game, and it was a great game. And not that many people got to watch it. Really, really disappointing stuff. You know what's not disappointing? That this episode is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. They help you find the right people for your team faster and for free. Just go to LinkedIn, post your job, add the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you are hiring. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates, the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster and for free. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college. That's linkedin.com slash locked on college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. So move off the USC Oregon State game. I could probably go on for 30 minutes, but gosh, there was so much great action over the weekend. And it's Monday, which means here on Lockdown Pac-12, after a college football Saturday, everybody gets a winners and losers label. And that is USC at the top of the winners department because they found a way to win that game. Who else is in there? Another team from the state of California. How about the California Golden Bears? Is the most high stakes game in the world beating Arizona at home as a three-point favorite? No, it, it, it is not. However, Every conference win is a good one for the Cal Bears, who are now sitting at 3-1, and one, which, regardless of who your opponents have been, is a pretty solid place to be for a Cal team that's trying to get back to bowl eligibility. And they're on the right track right now. And their four-star freshman running back recruit, Jay Knott, had the most, how about this stat, 274 rushing yards. That is the most that a Cal Bears running back has had. Since Javid Best, you talk about name dropping, man, that's a throwback name. He had 311 back in either 2008 or 2009. Jade Knott had 274, ran all through the Swiss cheese defense of the Arizona Wildcats, who, you know, are, are doing a lot of nice things. I don't think Wildcat fans should be disgruntled by, by this particular game because you got to remember building is a process. But Cal, what's the question with them? Always with Jack Plummer quarterback. Is the offense going to be enough? They've got a running back who is explosive, can make plays in space, can be involved in the passing game as well. He had a breakout performance on homecoming for the Bears. They put up 39 points in this game. They put up 39 points. That's just not something you see from Cal very often. And that is, excuse me, 49 points. Not 39 points, 49 points. They put up 49 points. Tough look for the Wildcats defense to allow almost a 50-piece to the Golden Bears. 
But anytime that happens in Berkeley, it's noteworthy. And that puts you in the winner's circle this week for, for Cal and head coach Justin Wilcox. Another winner this week, Washington. I thought it might be a rinse and repeat. I put in the Pac-12 prime picks. I've been trying to make you money. And last three weeks, I'm doing my job in that particular sense, third straight winning week and almost a perfect 3-0, and if not for a touchdown with one second remaining. Up in Pullman. What a game that was. Um, Oregon almost came flying through the back door to at the very last moment to get the front side cover. And then Washington State actually came through the back door and scored with like two seconds to go. But... Washington now gets to take the show on the road. They go down to the Rose Bowl to play UCLA Battle of Undefeateds on Friday on ESPN. What a great game that should be. But they look impressive once again, week in and week out. What were we saying after the first couple weeks about the Huskies? Well, you look the way you're supposed to against inferior competition. But what about comparable competition? Well, here they are against Stanford. That game never felt like it was really close. Week before Michigan State, that didn't feel like it was really close. It's not just that Washington is winning these games. It's how they're winning these games. They're dominating, taking control from the jump. Their game plans are well-designed and they're well-executed as well. Kalen DeBoer and that staff are doing a really, really good job. He's got his guys ready to play. He's also got them as a two-and-a-half-point favorite on the road down in Los Angeles this week against Chip Kelly's Bruins in what could very well be the game of the week in the Pac-12 on a Friday. But Washington, definitely a winner there. Uh, the final full-on winner of the weekend in the Pac-12, the Pac-12 prime picks. I had Oregon minus six and a half. It was there. It was it, it was it was right there. I didn't think it was going to be. And then it was. And then it wasn't. But Oregon State covered the five and a half at home and Washington minus 13 and a half threw it all over the field. Another 300 plus yard day for Michael Penix. Ho hum. That's becoming the norm up there in, in Seattle. But now they have to show they can do it away from the cozy confines of Husky Stadium which have been uh, quite cozy this year because, number one, it's a beautiful setting. How can you not be comfortable up there? Number two, crowds have been awesome up there in, in Seattle this season. And, and that's maybe the most beautiful venue. I mean, Eccles in Salt Lake City is close, but I'm, I'm partial to the water. I'm from that part of the country originally, so I, I lean towards that's kind of the, the, the best overall view that the Pac-12's got from a stadium perspective. There are other great ones, right? The sun setting behind the Rose Bowl. I prefer it when it's actually the Rose Bowl game, but still, you know, very, very beautiful and such. But uh, that that's uh, Husky Stadium, man. Whew. That is that's quite a view. Sailgating? Nothing like sailgating. I'm a big boats guy. Not a big car guy. I love my car. I'm a big, big boats guy. Any of you out there, if you ever want to drop me a message, talk about boats, I'm so here for it. Any kind of boat. Fishing boat, speed boat, ski boat, power boat. Yachts, whatever. I'm I'm here for it. Absolutely love all of that. So those are the outright winners of the week. I'll talk about the teams that didn't have as great of a week uh, a little bit more tomorrow on the show because this is going to be a little bit more positive and see you, you know everything good that happened in the Pac-12 over the weekend, which there was a lot of. But the uh, outright losers, uh, the Pac-12 conference as a whole because of that calamity that was putting Oregon State USC on the Pac-12 network and not getting it on at least FS1, if not <laughs> put it on ESPN or ABC or something. I, I I don't know. That needed to be a nationally televised game. So conference loses a little bit there. 
but they win because a lot of teams are looking really good right now. Four teams in the top 25, and then you have got Oregon State, Washington State lurking. What do their seasons look like going forward? So many fascinating things to follow. Also, if you can't tell, I love Monday shows. I really, really do. There's so much to discuss, and it's just you know, fresh off all the emotion of, of all the different games and whatnot. We're into league play now. It's really, really fun. The two outright losers of the week, Stanford and Colorado. Kind of looks like it's going to be long seasons for both. Colorado, again, not competitive. Just the, the seat under Carl Durrell has just got to be heating up because they haven't played a competitive game this year. They played one competitive half. That was against TCU, and that ended up being a blowout by the end. I don't think that's a standard Buffs fans are are going to stand for, and I don't know where they can win. I, I mean, if Cal is capable of putting up points against a Pac-12 opponent, that was the one win I thought they'd have coming into the year. But I trust Cal's defense. Colorado's down to a third-string quarterback in Owen McCown. They don't know what they're doing out there. They've got no answers. They've got nothing to feel optimistic about. It's tough times in Boulder right now. Those two uh, biggest losers of uh, the week. Uh, let's make our way up the ladder because remember, there are five labels you can get after a weekend as a program in the Pac-12. Winner, loser, lean lose, lean win, and no opinion. Uh, let's go to the lean losers crowd. And these are teams that lost, but it was not all disastrous or all bad news for Arizona and Washington State. So. Arizona, you, you got to remember Wildcat fans. And I know they're, they're a contingent of you out there who support the show, which I greatly appreciate. I, I, I'm not concerned about Arizona losing this game, right? It was close throughout. They had the lead uh, at several points in this game. The offense performed the way you would hope against a Cal defense that does not allow points very easily. Jaden Delora and, and Teteroa McMillan, they've got a great dynamic. Jacob Cowing as well. Arizona's got weapons. Delora looks exactly the way you were hoping he would have when when he came down from Washington State. And the offense, as a result, has continuity at that position, and it looks that way. But still, this is an Arizona team that you know surprised us all, uh, I think, a little bit with that win at San Diego State. But it's still a rebuilding process, right? They, they haven't reached the top, right? You might have seen that win and thought, oh, we, we could win seven, eight games this year. I think this game showed Arizona is still a, a year or two away from being an eight, nine win team. They're certainly on that trajectory, right? They, they are certainly on that trajectory. Even with this game, I don't think it's a major roadblock. They lost the game, one that was certainly winnable, but I, I don't think that this is, you know, time to panic or worry about anything for Arizona. It's tough for teams to win on the road. Remember, Arizona's won just a couple times in the last couple years. So this is a, a program that's still learning how to win consistently. They put up a good battle against a conference foe, and they are favored heavily against Colorado this week. They could hit their over on the season over under win total if they're able to beat the Buffs, and they're favored at home. I expect them to win that game. I think they're going to be in a good position going forward, but they're still a year or two away from having the depth of bodies on both sides of the ball, but particularly on, on defense that's going to allow them to be a, a consistent contender here in uh, the Pac-12. Washington State, meanwhile, whew, not going to say they full-on cooged it, but they partially cooged it. Just, it's, it's, it's unfortunate, it's harsh, but I don't know how else to see a 12-point lead just dissipate 
when the defense had played well all game long, had made plays when they needed to, Oregon's offense made plays late, and Washington State's didn't. And the offense couldn't move the sticks a couple times to bleed out the clock, and then Oregon's offense made plays again. And then Cam Ward, minute 20, capable of going down the field. They had over 400 yards of offense against an Oregon defense that had played really well the week before against BYU, but that was at home. It was a different story up there in Pullman. And Ward, on a play that had been working all game long, that little play action, tunnel screen, RPO action, throws it right to Mace Funa, who walks in for the touchdown, game over. And Cougar fans, unfortunately, have seen this happen several times over the years. 2018 UCLA comes to mind. This one was not on that level, but you had a 12-point lead with inside of six minutes to go against then 15th, now 13th-ranked Oregon. You could have had two top 25 wins on your resume, had an opportunity to be at 4-0. You're right there and just gave it away. That 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 sucks. It stings. Not going to try and put a positive spin on that. However, what Washington State demonstrated in this game is why they're not in the full-on losers category. I almost put them in the lean win category here. But they didn't win the game, and they should have based on how the first, you know, three and a half and change quarters played out. But they're only in the lean-lose category here because, number one, Cam Ward is starting to look like the player they hoped they'd gotten from Incarnate Ward in the offseason. He's making plays, making throws, looking more comfortable and fluid within the offense. He's adjusting to the speed of the game. I thought it might take him a little bit of time. He seems to be making that, the, the, the light is going on, seems to be making that jump, and, and that's certainly what you need. And then just overall, as a team, you showed you can play with the best teams in the conference. I mean, Oregon is the favorite in the North coming in, and you take them down to the wire, you had them beat, and you just couldn't quite close the deal. All is not lost up in Pullman for this season. I think that's a Washington State team. I had them as a seven-win squad coming into this year but I thought they'd lose that game to Wisconsin. Could they get to eight? Yeah, absolutely. Could they get to nine? I could see that too because their defense makes plays when they need to. Let's continue on and go to the teams that have got no opinion for me this week. I'm like, that's kind of what I expected. And there's only two teams, and they played in the same game. Utah, Arizona State. The Sun Devils, yeah, it's going to be a rough year. It's gonna it's gonna be rough for Colorado. It's gonna be rough for ASU. It might be rough for Stanford. Those are looking like the three bottom teams in in the Pac-12 this season. Cardinal a 60 point underdog in Autzen Stadium at Oregon this weekend. Arizona State. Uh, I, I forgot who they play, but it doesn't look like it's gonna matter right now. It, it really does not. And then Colorado goes at Arizona where they're a double-digit underdog right now for the opening lines, uh, according to our friends at Bet Online, It's just going to be tough, and Utah blew them out. I don't feel differently about Utah. I still think they're the team to beat in the Pac-12. I don't feel differently about Arizona State. Without Herb Edwards and the interim coach, who hasn't even been a Power 5 coordinator before, it's going to be a tough season for the Sun Devils. Let's go to the uh, lean win department for uh, the weekend to, to close out the show. Three teams here. Oregon, Oregon State, and UCLA. Now, Oregon gets in the lean win category because they won on the road, which is never an easy thing to do. Pullman's a tough place to play, and they pulled this one out, right? Washington State definitely cooked it a little. Not going to argue with you there. 
but Bo Nix made plays. He had a career-high 426 passing yards in this one. Troy Franklin has 300 receiving yards against two teams that are known for their defenses in the last couple of weeks in BYU and Washington State. He's making a sophomore leap. And Oregon found a way to win. Little bit like USC, they found a way to get the job done. And when you're playing on the road in conference, I don't care what team you are. And for the most part, I don't care what team you're playing unless it's, you know, a Colorado or an Arizona State. How you win doesn't matter quite as much, but especially when the opponent on the other side is one in Washington State that was playing with a lot of confidence, that for the most part is a well-coached team, has got some good players, has got all-conference caliber players, and is only getting better as the season goes on and progresses. And if you're Oregon, you just wanted to find a way to win that game, and they did. Oregon State, I know they lost. I, I know they lost. They still go in the lean win department for me. And here's why. Number one, as a team, much like with Washington State, you prove to yourself, that's one of the best teams in the conference, and we played with them. We took them down to the wire, and like Washington State, should have had them. But right now, the vibe around Washington State, I think, is a little bit more of we gave that one away than Oregon State, though the Beavs had a bunch of chances. But the Beavs did not blow a double-digit lead with less than six minutes to go which is why I feel more optimistic about Oregon State. And Chance Nolan had a bad game. It's going to happen sometimes, right? He's a solid quarterback, and as Oregon State goes, or as Chance Nolan goes, Oregon State's offense tends to go. When he's been sharp, they've been really good. When he hasn't been, the offense has struggled at times. Tends to be how offenses work in, in 2022. If your quarterback is struggling, then it's going to be difficult to put up points. But the Oregon State defense... What was the biggest thing that held the Beavers back in 2022? The defense. Why'd you lose to Cal and Colorado en route to a 7-6 and six season, 7-5 and five in the regular season? The defense. And you made a switch. You got rid of Tim Tibisar. You bring in or promote Trent Bray. And that was the biggest hire we talked about off season for all, all offseason for Oregon State, right? The early returns. How can you not be pleased with them? Came out first week of the season. Boise State scoreless in the first half. Benched their all-Mountain West caliber quarterback. Down at Fresno State, you made enough stops in that one on the road. And then here comes USC. Rolling. 50-plus points a game. Absolutely on fire. Lighting everybody up. You hold them to under 20 points. That defense played well. The front seven got gashed at times by Travis Dye, but overall, you look up and you say, hey, we held them to 17 points. If we can hold USC to 17 points, we can hold anybody to 17 points. And that's a formula, keeping your opponent under 20 for Oregon State, that is going to lead to a lot of wins because the offense is not going to be like that every week. Just look at the history of what they've done over the last two seasons. It won't be that way. And USC's defense has been the best in the country, basically, at forcing turnovers. And so if you're Oregon State, I, I know it's a gut punch. And it sucks that this week they have to go at Utah. Well, they'll probably lose because the Utes are really good and they're at home where they rarely lose. It sucks if you're an Oregon State fan because you had a chance. You had that opportunity. It was right there and they just let it slip through. But you have to be able to also look at all the good things that came from that. You played the way people expected to. You rose to the level on the defensive side of the ball. 
And if they continue to bring it, the way that secondary and the front seven have all season long, this is an Oregon State team that can go beyond my preseason win prediction total of eight wins and could get to nine, dare I say 10. That's probably a bit much with Utah on the road coming this week. You needed to have this one against USC for that to happen. But eight to nine wins for Jonathan Smith and company, that is 100% within reach with the way their schedule plays out. And hey, you never know. They beat Utah last year. Only Pac-12 team to do that. Just throwing it out there on a Monday. Lastly, in the lean win department, UCLA. I say that because they've been getting off to slow starts against inferior competition. And now going into this game against Washington, which would be their biggest win by far in the 2022 season. They're coming off a game against Colorado, which is, you know, a down year for the bus. No other way to look at it. Could go 0-12. Hope they don't. Never want that for a team, but it's entirely possible. But UCLA came out. They started fast. They had a 21-10 halftime lead, and then they ran away in the second half. And that was the UCLA team that I expected to see against all three of their home non-conference opponents. But they've got the 4-0 start, and they played better, right? And what I wanted to see from them after that showing against South Alabama, the reigning Sun Belt champions, to be fair, but still a team that UCLA should blow out, was improvement. You got to be able to start faster. You can't have these sluggish starts in conference play or teams are going to make you pay for it. And that game against Colorado on the road as well, right? Not at home, had to travel, all that sort of stuff. Even against a pretty bad Colorado team here in 2022, I think very noteworthy that UCLA was able to get off to a strong start and then finish in the second half and get a comfortable victory that has to have them feeling very confident going into this matchup on Friday against Washington. Cannot wait. We'll keep talking about that and everything else across the conference as the week goes on. Appreciate everyone listening. See you next time and have a wonderful rest of your day.